0: City church. And everyone. Today I have the honor to talk about Acts chapter 9. If you're following along in our reading plan, I'm not sure if you've made it here yet or you've already uh, missed or, or already been past this, but Acts chapter 9, incredibly monumental moment in the history of the church, the history of Jesus' followers, in our history. If you read Acts chapter 9, and I would encourage you to do so, This is the conversion of Saul of Tarsus, where Jesus meets him on the road that he is headed uh, to Damascus to essentially, as we heard a few weeks ago when Chad was preaching, uh, persecute more followers of Jesus. This is what Saul was doing. Saul is a, a Pharisee of Pharisees, keeping the law very tight, and Jesus essentially knocks him off his donkey, blinds him, and the rest is... History. Saul eventually becomes Paul. He writes all these New Testament letters that we had the privilege of looking at in our life today. But I'm not going to talk about Saul. You might be like, How dare you? You heretic. Today, I want to talk about what happens after Saul is blinded, and for three days, he is fasting and he's waiting in Damascus, and God meets this man named Ananias. So Acts chapter 9, verse 10 through 19. This is where we are going to pick up today. Verse 10 says this, Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas, Look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. Verse 13, but Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. And immediately, something like scales fall fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. Amen? What an incredible story, and I love this story about Ananias, and we don't even see Ananias' name, this particular man, mentioned in the rest of Scripture. But this is like the moment that shifted everything in the spreading of the gospel when it comes to Saul becoming the apostle Paul. Ananias listens to the call that God speaks to him. And today, I wanna talk from this subject that courage is calling and how it's calling all of us. Would you pray with me? God, thanks for today. Thank you that we are able to uh, gather in this place together under your name, under your word, and I pray that God, as we uh, open up your scriptures today and begin to look at what it is that, God, you're speaking to us, I pray that, God, we would have that thing that is stirring on the inside of us, courage, begin to call out, and that, God, we would have what Ananias had, that courage to begin to follow what it is that Jesus you've called him to and us to as well. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Amen. Have you noticed um, we as human beings, we don't do very well with multiple options uh, if, you're like me, uh, if you 're like me have you noticed and, and here's let me frame it for you uh, you 're at the grocery store and you have to cho- choose a line and you find the shortest line and usually you actually chose the wrong line or you're at a drive through and i don 't know when drive throughs began to do this back in my day, there was one option chick-fil-a has 34 options and you're like you're trying to figure it out and this is the lane it's the middle lane or it's the far lane or and then next thing you know it's like oh of course I chose the lane with the family of 19 kids up in front of me that had to order all these different things and they adjusted their order and I'm in the wrong lane or you're in traffic and you just you're that angsty person that's always trying to like this one's going faster I know it's going faster I can just tell We don't really do well with this. It's like when you have multiple options and you always choose. Somehow, it's always choosing the wrong lane. If you're like me, it's like, I should have just stayed in the one that my wife told me to stay in. I should have stayed there. Or it's like, you know, practice some patience. What the heck is wrong with you? There was a day that you had one option so you don't have to freak out all the time. Today, I want to help us and help guide us into choosing the right lane in regard to this idea of courage. Ananias is called by God in this moment that we see here that we just read a minute ago. God calls to him to go to this man named Saul who has been persecuting, locking up followers of Jesus and having them killed. Imagine getting that call hey, I need you to go to a murderer. Pardon? I need you to go do the thing that I'm asking you to do. Excuse me? And yet, there's a few things I think we can pull from when it comes to Ananias' response and Ananias' life in this moment and how he reacts to what God is calling him to. There's three areas when it comes to courage I want us to talk about today. Three areas that if you're taking notes, I'd encourage you to jot these three things down. I'll name the three things and I'll kind of go through these three different spots and having courage in these three areas that I believe Ananias did, I believe that we can as well. One is listen, see, and act. First one is listen. Ananias, we see here in verses 10 and 11 is that the Lord speaks to him and he says, here I am. He 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 was able to have the courage to listen to what God has been able to say to him and also listen to what the details are that he has to do. And it's almost like you and I know this. There's something on the inside of us. Call it God, call it the Holy Spirit, call us this deep knowing intuition. There's something that God has called us to in our life, one time or another, whether it's in the past or even right now, there's something that's just turning. You know something's there. And it requires this courage to really attune yourself to what it is so that you can take the proper steps that need to be taken. And Ananias is listening in to what it is that that the Lord is speaking to him. There's something in our life that requires courage to listen. It nags us. It's, it's, It's almost like it's always there. You know, my wife and I, A year ago, she calls me and she is actually overcome by emotion. She's saying, Trev, there's this building, there's this, there's this spot that we kind of have an opportunity to maybe start a business and, and I don't know what to do. And I'm like, what's, what's happening? She's like, I think we're supposed to like maybe do this thing. I think we're supposed to like start a business. And I'm kind of freaking out because this is like something we've never done. I'm like, yeah, cool. So what are you trying to say? I think we should do it. And I said, yeah, then let's do it. Let's go ahead and take that step of faith. The courage to listen to what really you're feeling, the intuition that you know that you have. And what's funny is when we started this business that is now launched and it's here in Rockford, there was a, a friend of ours that was telling us a story of kind of saying how great it was that we took this step. Like, way to go. Because he was telling my wife, Amy, my, my father always wanted to, have a donut shop. He always wanted to start a donut shop. And this guy just kept talking about, you know, his dad was like, I really want to do a donut shop. And year after year it happened. And eventually this gentleman was telling us about his father that he passed away, never starting his donut shop. And I thought to myself, how often Do we go through life without having the courage to start the thing that we feel, the intuition, the nagging, the the voice of God to do, and we don't do it and we die with dreams? I once was, uh, I remember being told that the richest place on the planet are cemeteries because that's where dreams have died. Seneca says it like this, a stoic philosopher he writes, all fools have this in common. They are always waiting for tomorrow to truly live. So that courage to listen, that nagging voice, that thing that's on the inside of you. And, and we always say one day, I'll start tomorrow. Eventually, I'll get to the donut shop. Eventually, I'll start that business. Eventually, I'll forgive my father. I'll do it tomorrow. And all fools have that in common, that we're always waiting for tomorrow to truly live live and here's my encouragement though this is Saul actually later on in his life writing to the church in Corinth now Paul the apostle and he's recounting this moment that he felt Jesus speak to him he says that Jesus reminding Paul that his grace is sufficient for you that my power is made perfect in my in your weaknesses and Paul reminds himself, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So in those moments that you feel like there's something nagging there, there's this thing that you're like, ah, if I had the courage to really listen to the thing that actually is being said to me, like Ananias. But there's no way I can do that. And begin, you, you begin to talk yourself out of it. Tomorrow, I'll wait till tomorrow. And this is the encouragement that Jesus is saying, hey, in those moments where you feel like you're weak, my grace is sufficient even in those moments, amen? Number two, we got listen, and we have see, the courage to see. Now, I don't mean see meaning like you actually tangibly, physically see it. This is seeing with this mind and eyes of faith, Again, the Lord speaks to Ananias and Ananias is like Saul of of Tarsus, the guy who the chief priest is told to come here to wipe out people like me. You want me to go to that guy. Are Are you crazy? And it's almost like, hey, Ananias, can you see what I see? Can you see past the thing that is in front of you and begin to have eyes of faith, the mind of faith to believe that there's something actually beyond the thing that you're hearing, that I'm calling you. There's this courage to see beyond the things that you're seeing. This is, for me, where fear begins to creep in the most. Again, if we're talking about courage today and, and acting out of courage and having this, this response of courage in our life, this is what usually interrupts us. It's fear. And again, the the philosopher Seneca says that we suffer more in our imagination than in reality. If you're like me, you relate to this. We often suffer more in our imagination of things than in the reality of things. So the courage that Ananias has to have to step up and actually go to Saul, it requires great faith and great courage to see beyond what he's already been told. It's like he's reminding the Lord, hey, you know, that's the guy that's taking out people that are following you. And also he has to see beyond the system that's, that Ananias is a part of. It's like, hey, we got a good thing going for us. I don't think we need that guy on our team. We're, we're doing pretty good. The, the, the gospel is spreading, but God's saying, hey, no, no, I know. He's a chosen instrument and I need you to go to him. I need you to see something that's beyond the thing you're seeing Now, and often we suffer more in our imagination than reality. Jesus actually is reminding his disciples at the end of the the book of John. He says this to him. He says, because you have seen me, you have believed. These are his followers, Jesus' disciples. You've seen me. You've seen me do the things, the miracles, the wonders. You've seen it all. And he says, but blessed are those who have not seen, and yet they have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen, yet they believe. And Ananias is, in a sense, an answer to this scripture, an answer to this moment. Because he had to see things that were unseeable and still had to believe that God was calling him to do this thing. There's this ancient philosopher, Plato. He, he talks about this story. He writes this in Plato's Republic. It's the allegory of the cave. And maybe you learn this in school or in college or in philosophy The allegory of the cave essentially is these three prisoners, and all they've known is this wall. They've literally been chained up, staring at a wall their entire life, and these shadows get casted onto this wall. It's the only thing that they've seen. They begin to see things that they they have to make up in their mind what this is. Is it an animal? Is it a beast? Is it a monster? Is it a person? This is the only thing they can see, and they have to craft what it is that they believe that these Shadows are portraying, and one of these prisoners eventually gets loose one day and he escapes the cave and begins to realize like, oh, these were just images casted through light to drive wonder or fear or whatever it would have been. And one of these prisoners leave and they begin to see outside of the cave colors and trees and beauty and other humans, and all this different stuff, and, and, and he's in awe of what he's beginning to experience. And he has the courage to go back, and he tries to tell the other prisoners, oh, it's beautiful out here. This is, this is not too far off from what Hollywood does in their movies. You, if you've seen the Truman Show, this is, this is Truman Burbank. He lives in this, in this illusion, this dome, and if I'm ruining the movie for you, tough. It's been out since 1998, He's living in this false reality, but from birth, he was placed in this dome, and all everyone else is actors, and they're actresses, and they're basically following this man's life. And then he begins to have these moments. He's like, something's not right. This is not reality. It's more of like an illusion, and he has the courage at the end to step out, and he leaves, right? This is what Courage kind of calls us to, to see beyond what's actually there, to step out. We see this in the movie, The Matrix, again, spoiler, but there's like nine of them now, so you're fine. But Neo eventually faces uh, Morpheus, and he uh, gives him the red pill or the blue pill. The red pill, if you take this pill, Neo, you're going to see things that are going to show you the truth. Or, Ryan, you can have the blue pill. And just go back to believing what you've been believing. You know the story, Neo takes the red pill and he becomes Neo, the matrix. I tell you this because this is the same exact hero's journey that Ananias is on. He's given a choice to either trust and see beyond what's there. Go to Saul of Tarsus and lay your hands on him and pray for him. For God is calling you to something greater beyond yourself, and courage is beginning to stir up on the inside of you to actually respond and and this is what Ananias does, which leads us to the third one act the courage to act see so you, you have the courage to listen, you have the courage to see and now we see in Ananias it's the courage to act it 's my favorite. Moments in one of my favorite movies, The Shawshank Redemption. You have they're sitting outside the prison and talking about life outside of prison and what's it going to look like and what's going to be like. And you have Andy and Red, and Andy begins to go on this little spiel, and Red's just kind of listening to him. And he says, "Well, either get busy uh, get busy living or get busy dying." And I think this is kind of like what courage calls us to, is either you have the choice to just get busy dying or go and live the life that God has called you to live, which requires courage. It's a story in Matthew chapter 9. Jesus is walking through the streets, and he's going village to village, and there's these two blind men on the side of the road. And they call out to Jesus... Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. Calls out to Jesus and it, it references that once these two blind men finally was able to enter to the home, enter the home that Jesus was going into, Jesus turns to the two blind men. He says, what do you want? And they say, well, we want to see. He says, become what you believe. And the two blind men see. Become what you believe. And I think about this idea of, of courage, and I think about these two blind men on the road having to cry out, having to take those steps, having to act, and I'm convinced that that courage is acquired in the first step. This is where courage is acquired for you and for me, and this is where courage was acquired when it comes to Ananias living out the thing that he was listening to, the thing that he began to see. He had to act and take that first step And he approaches Saul at Judas' house and says, Brother Saul, he lays his hand on him and he's healed and he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And the gospel spreads. It required courage, the courage to act. I imagine even with these blind men having to walk blindly towards where they believed Jesus was going, Right, and I imagine one's like, "What are we doing? Where are we going?" And the other having to like remind him, "Hey, I, he's he's over here. Let's keep going. Let's have the courage to believe that there's this Son of Man, this man named Jesus, who can heal us of this blindness. He's 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 here. He's present. We got to keep going." His friends' courage is contagious. And you know this because there's people in your life that you've seen take those steps of faith. You've seen people have the courage to listen to the voice, to the intuition, the Holy Spirit in their life. You've seen the courage for them to see beyond the thing that they can actually see in front of them. And then they have the courage to act. And there's something inside of you that says, I think I can do that too because courage is contagious. When we see Ananias's life. You imagine Ananias telling Saul, this isn't fully in recording, but I just imagine maybe they're having a conversation that, hey, brother Saul, I've been sent here to lay my hands on you for your eyes to be open and scales begin to fall off and Saul finally begins to see and then he's baptized and then we know Saul becomes Paul the apostle and he writes all these beautiful letters and he pushes the gospel forward and the church begins to spread but it wasn't all perfect for Paul. We see this, what? He's locked up in prison several times. He's beaten several times. And I imagine even for Paul, looking back on the moment that Ananias walked in and called him brother, that there's something inside of him that says, if Ananias can do it, I can do it too. There's courage that calls all of us. And we recount the times where courage called us. And then it becomes contagious so then you and I can move forward in the thing that God is calling us to move forward in. Amen? So the courage to listen, the courage to see, and the courage to act. And is it scary? Of course it's scary. There's been no person in the history of the world that had it perfect every single step of the way. That there's been doubt, there's been anxiety, there's been their own demons, there's been moments of, Of talking themselves out of it, and yet courage still pushes us forward. This is what courage does in our lives, friends. The courage to keep going, the courage to believe. It's crazy about this story, like I just mentioned. It's like without Ananias listening, and seeing, and acting. Maybe there's no Paul. Or there probably is, but someone else was called because Ananias said, I'm good. And how often in our own lives, and this is a thing that maybe haunts, this is the thing that haunts me, is that I don't want to go to the grave knowing that so many things I felt God say I didn't do out of fear, anxiety, insecurity. So I passed. And you know this because courage has called you so many times in your life, and maybe it's calling you even now. And there's something inside of you that's saying, "I got to do it." That's something in there, and it's nagging at you, and it's haunting you, and it's keeping you up at night. And there's something that's like, I, if I step forward, I could. I'll pass. Don't think for a minute that these scriptures that we read that people don't feel the exact same things. These are human beings like you and I. Ananias heard the voice of God. He wrestled with it for a moment and yet he began to see beyond it and then he acted. And Paul the apostle and the church continued to spread. And here you and I are today. Amen? May close with a story and then we'll get out of here. 1977 39th president Jimmy Carter is inaugurated. 25 years before this though he's graduating the naval academy as a young kid. He graduates from the naval academy and then he wants to go beyond that and he wants to go into the nuclear navy which means he has to have an interview with Admiral Hyman Rickover, the father of, of the nuclear navy. Admiral Rickover was a very hands-on leader. He interviewed what said every single one of his cadets that he wanted on his team. So he interviews a young Jimmy Carter, and they talk for hours. These interviews would go two to three hours max. They're talking about strategy, and they're talking about tactics. They're talking about life and where you grew up. And they're just going on and on about all these different things that could probably help the naval the Navy, the, the Admiral Rickover's area of expertise. And he then asks Jimmy Carter, he says, Hey, where did you, uh, where did you rank in your class? And Jimmy Carter puts his shoulders back with pride. And he says, I was 59th in a class of 840, sir, 59th and 840. That's pretty darn good. If you're doing some math there in your head. Jimmy Carter feels very confident in his response. This is a thing that's probably gonna move him forward in being a part of the nuclear Navy. And Hyman Rickover, Admiral Rickover, leans back in his chair and he simply looks at Jimmy Carter and he says, did you always do your best? But did you always do your best? Jimmy Carter had to think about it for a minute. I mean, yeah, of course I did. I mean, I'm pretty amazing. i right? Like that's. Then he looked at Admiral, Admiral Rickover and he said, well, I guess no. There's some things I lacked in. There's some things in areas and some drills I slacked. I didn't probably do my best in this area or that area. I didn't always do my best. And Admiral Rickover stands up from his desk and he says, Why not? Walks out of the room, interview over. And this would be the question that would haunt Jimmy Carter the rest of his life. Did you always do your best? We know, like I said, 25 years later, he becomes president. In all those years, he became close friends with Admiral Rickover. He did get accepted into being part of the nuclear Navy. But that's the question that, haunted him and drove him to even be where he is or where he was as our president. I think about the questions that you and I can begin to ask ourselves is, are we always doing our best when courage calls us? Are we listening? Are we seeing, are we acting? And what courage will always require for you and me is our best. Always our best. Did you always do your best? So what is it for you, what is it for me that God begins to stir on the inside of you that knowingly courage is beginning to stir you on the inside? You're having to take that step. You're having to move forward like Ananias, having the courage to move towards Saul and the rest of his history. What is it for you? Just stand with me, let me pray for us we get out. God, thank you for today. Thank you for this story with Ananias. I think about all the different feels that this guy must have felt being called by you and speaking to you and saying, there's no way I want to do this. There's no way I have the courage to do so. And yet he does it anyways. And God, even for us, there's things in our own life that we know there's something stirred on the inside of us. This courage is calling each and every single person in this room. And I believe God, For us to move forward in the things that, God, you've called us to, it requires our best. It requires to move forward, to listen, to see, and to act, and know that, God, you are with us every single step of the way like you were in Ananias. God, we love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name, and every single person said amen.